0: Welcome to Favorite Attire, a podcast that aims to open up the conversation around sustainability, ethical practices, and fair trade in the fashion and beauty industry. In this episode, I welcome Lea Lugo, founder of Colis Knitwear, an ethically slow-made knitwear brand. We talk about her entrepreneurial journey, slow fashion, how she dyes her garments, and the lack of transparency in the fashion industry. Thanks for being with me here today. Uh, we're going to talk about Colis. That's how you pronounce it, right? That is, yeah. Colis Knitwear. Like I said, it's a slow-made knitwear brand uh, made in Montreal by you, uh, Leah. And okay. so before we dive in, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you get the idea for this? And then we'll talk more about the brand.
1: Sure. I mean, uh, oh my gosh, it's it, it was a little bit of a journey, but uh, basically... I started knitting by hand when I was like a little kid, I guess, maybe something like 10 or 12. My mom taught me how, so I learned how to knit with her and I continued to just knit for fun um, throughout high school, throughout CEGEP and then university where I went to study fine arts and I did a lot of fiber arts. So I learned a few more techniques um, in just terms of like fiber dyeing, things like that. And during that time I worked retail. So I got to see a lot of the fashion industry, and I thought that maybe I could bring something new to the table with a knitwear line.
0: Mm -hmm. So you do everything by yourself?
1: It's made basically from the dye to the knit. So the yarn itself is purchased like made I don't also spin yarn that would be fun but it's a quite a bit of extra work but yeah no so I I get the yarns and I do everything else just in-house.
0: Okay so this is very interesting I want to talk about your process. Uh, First of all it's all made to order right? Yeah. Okay Um, and why did you decide to do that?
1: It just makes the the process a lot easier, especially for like such a small brand where I can't necessarily order large quantities or have any expectation really of how much I'm going to sell. So it's just a really good way to start. Mm-hmm. I mean, I only started this uh, project, my first collection launched last December. So it's only been about a year and it was probably like maybe a year in the making before that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, with no expectations, I just thought made to order would be easiest and they they take a quite a bit of time to make. So it was a little bit better for me to just offer everything made to order. And then that way it makes it easier also to customize mm-hmm. because I know that straight sizing isn't for everyone. It's, I think it's barely even like 50% of the population anymore. Mm. So I wanted everything to be customizable so that anybody could give me their measurements and I could make something just to their size. Yeah.
0: Mm, That's awesome. And um, so the sustainability part of your brand is in the dyeing process and the yarns that you choose. Yeah. Uh, First of all, can you tell me about the yarns? Because obviously it's knitwear, so it's mostly yarns, right?
1: yeah exactly so basically um the whole sustainability aspect of it is um i did a little bit of research on fashion sustainability i mean i I learned a little bit just like at work working retail but i had a little zine like a little small magazine that i had launched in montreal with a few friends a couple years back where we talked about sustainable fashion and sustainable fashion brands that are just like small brands from montreal
0: does it still exist the
1: magazine no no unfortunately it doesn't (laughs) i have copies still that, uh, but no, we're not making any more of them. It was That was a ton of work. But it was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, so I got to learn a lot about the brands here in Montreal and, and just sustainability in general. And basically, sustainability is, is, it's kind of hard to describe because it doesn't actually apply to everything. Like It's easy to just kind of claim sustainability when there's so many different aspects of production that that need to be sustainable in order to make claims like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it starts with like the fiber, like where's the fiber from? And then how is it spun into the yarns? And then like, how is it made? Where is it made? How is it dyed? Where is it dyed? Who dyed it? How much were they paid and everything and so on. So when it comes to the brand that I have, the yarns, I, I do my best to just try to find things that are organic. I try to work with local suppliers as much as possible just to avoid having things be shipped from very far away. Although that isn't always possible anyways, there's a lot of yarns that come that will just come from elsewhere or like the fibers from the animal itself or just from the plants that it comes from will be grown elsewhere just because that seems to be how the fashion industry is built. And it's kind of hard to find like transparency and know exactly where everything comes from.
0: When you say organic compared to other knitwear brands, for example... What kind of yarn do they use? Well, it could depend. So I use all um,
1: fibers that come from nature. So I'll use like plant-based fibers like cotton and linen. Mm-hmm. And I'll also use animal-based fibers like uh, merino wool, uh, baby alpaca, or Suri wool. Mm-hmm. And other brands, like, I mean, it depends. If you like shop in fast fashion, you might find a lot of like acrylics and polyamides, which are like, you'll find blends or maybe things that are made a lot with like a plastic-based fiber. It's like um, uh, like just man-made fibers. And the problem with those is that like while you can still get like a recycled like nylon or something like something that's a recycled fiber is that since it's like knitwear and, and the yarns are relatively larger, like it can shed a lot of fiber just in the wash. And that's how we get a lot of like microfiber pollution with plastics in our oceans and our waterways and all of these things. So I avoid using plastic fibers and then when it comes to choosing the natural fibers that I do use, I look for organic, especially for the cottons, which is super important that it's organic cotton versus just like the regular type of cotton and um, which like is often grown with like pesticides and and we know of all the horrors. Um, and then for the like the sheep-based yarns with like the alpaca-based yarns, I go for the... Mules and free um, yarns, which are the ones that where they don't they do all these horrendous processes with the animals that they farm for, for the wolves. So it's like they they have a process where they go they like literally like tear the skin off of them. So like to avoid certain diseases and stuff, but they do it without any type of like painkillers. It's it's just like all it's all bad. So I try to find as sustainable, as ethical as I can. I look for certifications. But yeah, it's uh, that's a whole process. And then when it comes to the dyeing, I try to do everything in-house as well, just because um, I know that the dyeing process for te- the textile industry as a whole can get really bad. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah I was I was going to ask you about that because it's super important. Uh, let me tell you what I know, the little mm-hmm. that I know about the dyeing process. So as people know, dyeing is where you put the pigment and the color into any fabric. Yeah. Uh, First of all my question is so all the fabrics originally are white is that it and then yeah white? okay what i found on, on online is that the pigments before like in the past historically it was all taken from nature but today everything is artificial and everything has a lot of chemicals in it and yeah. also it's all it takes a lot of water yeah in the dying process um, it does you decided to do everything by yourself with natural elements right
1: yeah well the the fibers themselves are natural so the 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 yarn that I'll use is natural. Mm -hmm. The dyes themselves are not what I like to use for the wool, so the protein-based fiber, so any fiber that comes from an animal essentially, as well as like silks. Uh, I use acid dyes that basically what it does is that the dye bonds to the fiber and basically when your water is like, when you're finished with your dyeing, your water, it runs clear. So it's, it's a more environmentally friendly practice. And I use, they're called like the dyes that I use, they're they are not organic because the dye itself cannot be organic, but they're part of an organic processing. So I can label all of my items as organic as long as the fibers are as well with these dyes. So I, it's its a tricky thing because you don't really want to make any like crazy promises. How much better are the dyes that I'm using versus the ones in the industry at large? It's hard to say if they're all using acid dyes or whatever. The thing is, is that there's just not a lot of transparency in the fashion industry. And it's hard to know if they used a a safe dye, a heavy metal free dyes like I do or what or just like a completely Maybe it's like a really bad dye, something that they're just like dumping into their waterways, polluting the environment, all of these things. So I try to use those. And for the plant-based fibers, I use uh, another type of dye, which does the same type of thing. It just bonds to the fiber. So your water isn't just like full of dye when you dump it out.
0: And do you do it yourself or do you have partners? All me for now. (laughs) With your hands and everything? Really? Yep. Yep. All me for now. How long does that take?
1: Uh, I would say a sweater from beginning to end can take about 10 hours. Hours. Yeah, but like that'll depend. It's like if I have a few on the go at the same time, then I can dye like a larger batch or something like that. So it's, it can't, it's not always that long. And right now I'm working on like a handheld vintage 1980s knitting machine. Mm. So it's like, I don't, are you going to be editing this after? Because I can even give you a bit of a tour. <laughs> okay, cool. So I have, like this is it. That's, that's where the magic happens. Like vintage knitting machine that's like hand operated. So with this thing here. Yeah, it's incredibly finicky um, and old, and it breaks, and I have to replace pieces every once in a while. So it can it can create a it can really complicates the process. But the good thing is is that I found a new machine that's coming in soon. That's an automatic machine, like a computerized one. So I can write my patterns like on software, and then it translates to the machine and then it just basically makes it by itself it's like a 3d printer for knit and those um i looked at it and it seems like i'll be able to get a sweater done in like under two hours now Ooh, wow. so when that comes in it'll be a lot better and mm-hmm. it'll be more reflective of the price point that i have set <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. If you're spending 10 hours, $1,000 per sweater.
1: (laughs) Well, that's it. That's it. It's just that I realized that it might not be so viable as a business plan to be selling sweaters (laughs) for that expensive. So I decided to just like take the hit and uh, take my time to make the sweaters at first, see if there was any interest in them. And then once I saw that there was, I decided to take the jump and buy the new machine.
0: When you're starting a sustainable business and you're doing everything by hand and it's all very sustainable. Do you have a different marketing strategy or how does that work?
1: I guess like I find that it's important to at least let people know that it is like a small brand locally made, made in Montreal and just give them as much information as as I have essentially as as to how my products are made and so that they can kind of make that decision themselves, whether it's sustainable enough for them or not. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I mean, some people will go like all the way in sustainability and like only purchase vegan which unfortunately my brand is not with the wolves, but I'll try to like buy from animals that have good living conditions. But um, yeah, when it comes to marketing, just letting people know like how it's made, where it's from, why the price point is where it's at, I think is as best as I can do.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, just to going back to what you were saying about the dying process, So, because when I was doing my research, she was saying that uh, the pigments that are used in like fast fashion, everything uh, are used because it stays even after different washes, which is not always the case by the way, but with those dyes that you use, is that still the case? They're pretty good.
1: I would say Um, they can run. I would say more than a dye that was done like on a, on a plastic fiber, like a, like a synthetic fiber or like the fibers that you might find in fast fashion, they can run. Although generally speaking, I find them. Okay. If it's a, if it's a sweater that is like one color, you're absolutely fine to like hand wash cold water and it won't run and if it does it'll be minimum and your your colors will be fine. It's more that when it comes to like a custom sweater sometimes i have ones that have like two tones in them like a dark and a light color together and when i do that that can be a little bit trickier because then the darker color could bleed into the lighter color especially if the water's a little bit too warm or or the the, the person that's washing it has a bit of a harsher soap so it can get a little bit complicated that way. Mm-hmm. But uh, the best thing with with these types of sweaters i mean is to wash them as seldom as possible. Wool can can take quite a bit of wear before needing to be washed. It it doesn't even like really absorb odors that much. Like you'll have a sweater that you can maybe wear 10 times and it'll still just smell like a fresh sweater. And um but like yeah, worst case scenario you can always bring it to a dry cleaner or just do some like test spotting at first like for cleaning and just like Mm-hmm. Go about it that way, but yeah, like it's it's definitely a type of clothing that needs um, a prise d'entretien. I don't know how to say that. Like uh, a little bit more TLC mm-hmm. for like just to keep them nice. But if you do take good care of them, then they do last a very long time. They can last forever.
0: Okay, so let's talk about COVID for a while.
1: <laughs> <laughs> for me, I would say it hadn't been like it wasn't the worst since I had just only launched. In December of last year it was still so new that like again like I had no reference of like how many sales I was expecting or anything like that so I just kept on trucking with what I was doing and just kept moving forward and, and seeing what would happen next it did slow things down for sure I'm, I'm sure to a certain extent um, at the same time I was still working part-time doing retail stuff and the store where I was working unfortunately closed so that I would say was probably the biggest way that the COVID affected me but I it, I was kind of happy that I had already started this project before all of this started because I I have something else to be doing during this time, at least.
0: yeah exactly and you can actually focus on it finally my last question is what are your future plans for colleagues well i mean i guess
1: the next big step will be getting that new equipment the new knitting machine in well that will be great i have a few like new things that will be coming in that'll just change the way that i produce a little bit and make things a little bit more efficient so that will be the first big step so to translate all of my patterns to this new machine and then to get some new styles started and i guess for for early next year i hope to be able to to just launch some new styles and see where i can go next and hopefully like a big part of it i think with this new machine is to bring my prices down a little bit more i think would be great because i know how tricky it is for people to buy sustainably because it tends to be a lot more expensive mm-hmm. so with with this type of technology it's going to help a lot i think in just keeping the costs down
0: mm-hmm. And I guess if it's knitwear, you're gonna focus on sweaters I
1: have a, I have a few other ideas for things that I'll do. I think that uh, sweaters will probably be like my hero product forever just because a, a good wool sweater you can't beat it. but uh, yeah, I, I'll keep doing the sweaters and uh, yeah i'm I'm excited for this. I think that it's gonna be really good. The nice thing about knitwear is that on um, these types of machines, it's like they're made right into the shape of the garment. so you don't it's not like cut and sew where you have all these cutoffs that you have mm-hmm. to like discard or recycle or upcycle or do something with. So like it's minimal waste, especially all being made to order. It makes it a lot easier. There's no sales ever because why would I have any? I don't have any overstock. There's nothing to liquidate. But, um, but in terms of like larger wholesalers, like I don't think that'll ever be possible. Like if ever one day a, a big, I don't know, like department store asked me for a hundred some sweaters, like I don't think that would ever be possible because the goal is to keep the prices as low as I can while still being profitable, so that people can access it. Because I'm, I'm starting to realize, at least with all the retail experience that I have, is that like they don't have the money for three hundred dollar tops. Like, well, not a lot of people can spend that much. Not a lot of people want to spend that much, even when they can. So, yeah, as fast fashion has totally changed our culture and the way that we understand clothes and the way that we see clothes and like the way that we buy clothes. And, like, the expectation that we put on each other of how, like, new and how fresh and how, like, how often we should be changing up our wardrobes. And it's unfortunate. But, like, I think that's the reality that we live in now. And if there's any hope, I think, for sustainable fashion, then I think we'll have to meet our customers where they're at or at least get a little bit closer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because, uh, because, yeah, as it is now, I've, like, that's the comment that I've gotten from the most people. It's just that it's too expensive for them sustainable fashion and and small brands and it's it's the, the price that it costs like to make these things so like obviously it is more expensive but but yeah it's still too it's still out of budget for so many people so mm-hmm. yeah i yeah. think it's yeah best to just find technologies and find new ways of working to to keep costs low and to keep the sustainable values in check
0: mm-hmm. but you know i was reading all the articles and it's super trendy i feel like everybody's talking about sustainability now i just don't know if there are actually like actions taken but
1: it's it's one of those weird things i think because it's like you'll have like i think everyone cares about sustainability because i think everyone realizes the conditions in which a lot of clothes are made like everybody like heard about the Rana Plaza collapsing and like all of these like disastrous conditions in which people are being essentially forced to work and like forced to work like a ludicrous amount of hours with not even living wages. Like it's it's pretty bad. And I don't think that people feel comfortable purchasing the same way that they were when they didn't know all of the horrors that were within the fashion industry. So I think people want to shop more sustainably. But the problem I think that we have now is that so many brands, well for one, so many brands like claim sustainability or claim to do all of these things when they they just don't and it's not any more transparent or any more sustainable than a lot of fast fashion brands so that that can be really tricky and so customers don't really trust the brands anymore it seems it's like it's like if you have to ask yourself a question okay well i can buy this t-shirt for ten dollars that i know was probably made in atrocious conditions or i can buy this t-shirt for a hundred dollars that was maybe made in okay conditions maybe like we don't even know so it's like why am i spending 90 extra dollars for something that i don't even know is actually sustainable mm-hmm. and i i can't blame them like how do you make that just dis- like it's hard and it's like it's a lot of money too to shop sustainably so it's it's just about changing up our habits i guess and and trying to find new ways of doing things because right now the model is not working
0: mm-hmm. thank you thank you for your time thank you for inviting me this was super fun Thank you for tuning in to Favorite Attire. If you liked this episode, I'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes. Until next time!